What's swinging, Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I am your host, Fred Moore. Today's episode is going to be with Zach Yannick, a.k.a. Frankenlegs on Instagram. Uh, Zach is a Steel Mace Flow educator. He's the owner and head coach of Warrior Flow Fitness. And... He, you could follow him on Frankenlegs, and you could follow him on Warrior Flow Fitness. Uh, we had a great discussion today, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, we talked about him uh, being a ex rugby, a retired rugby player. He p- still plays like one game a year. Um, we talk about steel mace music. We talk about diet. You know, he lost a lot of weight, and he shares how he lost that weight and uh i i loved his advice as far as that's concerned because people are always struggling with losing those pounds and 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 i think uh you guys will be interested in hearing how he did it of course it incorporated steel mace and and physical activity but he you know had a little diet plan there uh so we're gonna get to it i just want to give a shout out to ongo energy spray ongo is a sponsor of the podcast and Ongo is a caffeine spray. Three squirts in your mouth delivers 175 milligrams of caffeine, but you don't get the bloat, you don't get the heartburn, and it works almost instantly. In about three minutes, you're feeling the effects of it, which is great for any type of uh, pre-workout. So you could ditch the pre-workout too. And if you are a fan of the show and you want to purchase Ongo Energy Spray, you could go to ongoenergy.com. And at checkout, use the discount code STEELMACE25, and you get 25% off. Thanks a lot, everybody. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, hey, everybody. Here's Zach. Uh, I'm going to do, pr- do a proper intro uh, after we hang up, so that way everybody knows what the deal is. But, um, yeah, so what we were just talking about was uh, that was Ming Chen, and this is his podcast studio. And what was that like six months ago? You you made your way down here to um, to to visit. Like you were on a little trip, and you stopped by Critical Mass, and you and you did some stuff oh. with um with uh, Ken Potus over there. I wish yes, I had the podcast up then because you could have. Literally, this place is a mile down the road. I know. I that would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw that you were recording, I would have shared universe. I was like, oh man, like. I got to get down there. I got to do one in person. I got to see that space. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you... We'll do a follow-up sometime. We'll do a follow-up interview. Yeah, that's what I was just going to suggest. Maybe, you know, if you want to uh, do something beachy or whatever, wait till next spring. You know, <laughs> totally. and then we can hit the beach too. But, uh, like, he's got, you know, two different studio space or three studio spaces here, and he's got lightsabers and, and stuff like you've You've seen on, on the Steel Mace Nation Instagram. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yes, I follow their Instagram page as well, so I've seen seen all the toys and uh, all yeah. the posters and memorabilia. And it, yeah, it just looks like heaven in there. Yeah, it's awesome. And I have tried podcasting like outside of here, and it's kind of like a gym. When you're here, you're here to podcast. When you're doing it in so, your living room, it's like, uh, not today, or maybe I'll just watch a little TV instead. So I, it's, this, it's got the same effect. I like going to the gym to train. I like coming to a podcast studio to podcast. So I, I just love that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You got that space and you got your mindset. And and so you have um, a place, Warrior, Warrior Flow Fitness, it's called. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the uh, it's the first uh, steel mace specific fitness studio uh, in North America, if not uh, the Western world. Or I suppose the argument could be made uh, the world as a whole, as in the Akaras, which would be mace gyms, uh, if you will. Uh, don't use steel mace. So uh, I can kind of sneakily claim the title of having the first steel mace studio in the world. Yes, and if it is the world, then definitely it's the universe. All right. <laughs> Totally. It goes without saying. I mean, you make if you're gonna say we're the first in the world, might as well be the first in the universe. Because as far as I know, nobody else out there in outer space is doing it. So you got that dead to rights too. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so that's really cool, man. And and um, that was how you you opened the, the place up. Like you were like, I want to teach steel mace, and this is how it's gonna happen. I'm just gonna open this place up and do it. Uh, kind of, uh, kind of yes, kind of no. So I was teaching classes, uh, 
pure steel-based classes out of uh, the gym my family owns. So my family owns a facility called Readiness Fitness. And I was teaching four steel or five steel-based classes there a week. Uh, and that class uh, was just straight up called Warrior Flow. And it was the first steel-made specific class in Canada. So there were some other people that were teaching steel-made uh, and implementing it into classes. Uh, but the Warrior Flow class was the first class that was just steel-made. And so I was doing that for a while. Uh, and I decided that readiness was growing at a rate where they were going to need more space. I was growing at a rate where I was going to need more space. So it was time to make that commitment and, and dive head first into uh, trying to do something that no one has done before, which is, uh, it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been very interesting. Um, and it's been, there's been so much growth. It's been amazing. Yeah. You could see it. I mean, I could see it. anybody following you on Instagram uh, or Facebook, whatever, uh, is able to see the growth. I mean, just your videos alone, and I, and I could see you have more maces in stock than I've seen anybody have. I mean, your entire back wall, and then the, hits the corner, and then it comes up the other way. I pull, I stop. I keep stopping the videos, and I'm trying to count. I'm like, all right, I don't know. It's got. He's got like a thousand. He might as well have a thousand. I don't know. I uh, I personally have 27 uh, for, of like my maces slash the warrior flow maces or rest of the side where it like goes round and wrap. So uh, like the mass majority are actually my students' maces. Uh, so something I've encouraged them that is if they fall in love with the tool to to get one yeah. uh, and connect with it. And they, they uh, leave them there. Sometimes they do. Okay. Uh, sometimes they take them home. Uh, generally, uh, throughout the summer, they'll take them home with them, uh, and in the winter, they kind of stay at the studio, uh, just because most people don't have the room in their house to use them. And when the winter hits here, like you, you can't train outside. Yeah. Uh, like we get like, we get like negative forty degrees Celsius, like as an average. Uh, we we're, we routinely become the coldest place on earth, uh, even including Antarctica. So because of that, uh, the training kind of gets limited to the gym uh, in the winter months. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they leave them there uh, for a fair bit of the year. Um, and what's been really cool is, for the most part, once they get one, they don't stop there. They have two or three or four or five. I think one student has like eight or nine. Uh, of varying sizes and styles uh, and shapes just because they all move a little bit differently, differently, right? And they can be applied to different uh, aspects of mace training. So, yeah, everyone kind of has a, a, a little cache of weapons now. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what happened to me. And um, where exactly are you? Uh, where's there anyway for people listening in, um, your address and all that? Yeah, so I'm in Regina, Saskatchewan, in the middle of Canada. Um, where I won't go into the full street details or anything like that. If people are interested in the actual address, feel free to hit me up on social media. Uh, but yeah, we're in Regina, Saskatchewan. So it's a, it's a city, but it's a relatively small city. Like we have 230,000 people uh, in the entirety of the city, less, or just over a million people in the entire province now. Uh, our entire province being uh, about twice the size of California. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's, it can be a little bit of slim pickings in the sense of like what there is around here. But because of that, there's a lot of room for uh, small business growth, which is something I really love about the city. Uh, we have, I was actually just looking up the rate. So 80% of the businesses in my city are uh, locally owned, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, something like uh, 75 or 60 or 65 or 75%. I can't remember now of people are employed by local businesses which is a huge rate uh, and a beautiful thing to see uh, and it's really nice because there's that support uh, for local and for local businesses which uh, we've seen a ton of and and we give a ton of and we just absolutely love yeah is that support coming from the local government or the the entire government you know, i uh, i kind of just figure that it's it's hard to get people here. It's hard to get other companies to come here. Uh, so we just kind of started doing our own thing uh, just as a, as a community. I don't think it was ever a, an initially planned thing or there hasn't really been a ton of government assistance on that front. It's just been something that's naturally sprung up. Uh, interestingly, uh, with you being in shared universe and sitting across from Ming Chen there, uh, I, Kevin Smith did a podcast uh, 
where he talked about how if you want something that doesn't exist, you create it. Yeah. And I think I think our our society really has that, or our city really has that mindset, uh, and that's the mindset I approached with Warrior Flow. I wanted there to be a maze class, and there wasn't, so I made one. Yeah. I wanted there to be a maze competition in in the prairies, and there wasn't, so I made one. I wanted there to be uh, a maze studio, uh, and there wasn't, so I had to make one. Yeah. Uh, so that's something I've really I've really taken and ran with, and I think uh, just the city as a whole uh, has that mindset. Yeah, you know. Th- that's a huge thing. I, I'm sure after doing what you've done so far, creating things pretty much out of thin air, like a magician almost, um, you got to feel yeah, pretty empowered, good. right? Oh, incredibly so. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be an exhilarating feeling. Um, and, you know, I think the whole Mace community in whole is kind of in that pattern right now. Everybody's out there, all the coaches – uh, you you've seen coach after coach calling in or coming through here just like you're doing now, and we always kind of talk about the health or the state of um, the coaching, uh, you know, coaching mace. And um, it's like everybody's kind of just saying, you know what, I'm running with this and I'm making something out of it. And whether they're incrementally just bumping along or making huge sweeps or whatever, they still all kind of feel like thriving because they're doing something that nobody's done before and they're just riding on the energy wave. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm a believer that our, our souls need creation. We need to create to feel fulfilled. Uh, and we're lucky enough in the SealMate community that there's not been a lot done before. Yeah. We're in a stage of pure creation when it comes to steelmates. Even the traditionalists, like just out there swinging, I shouldn't say just, uh, but out there doing their swings, not interested in the flow, not interested in creating the pattern, they're still creating something, right? Mm-hmm. They're cre- creating a practice for themselves, maybe a cra- practice for their students. Uh, they're creating their own form of active meditation, their own form of release, whatever it is, they are creating uh, and they're creating community. And that's the biggest thing right now is. Uh, Mace has been around for a very long time, but maybe not so much in North America. So there hasn't really been that opportunity for communities to be created. But now there are the coaches out there doing so. Uh, and because of that, we're seeing just an enormous, huge, beautiful things coming out of that. Uh, and again, I, I think that comes back to the fact that our souls, uh, they need to create to feel whole. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the mixed community is really in touch with that. Yeah, it's, you know, now that you're saying all this, and it's just got me thinking about, like, creation and, and who else creates things. So, like, a painter, for somebody who makes a painting, they create. Um, totally. But in, in, if you compare that to a steel mace artist creating, I feel like the steel mace community has a stronger community in a way. Because an art, I don't know, maybe I'm talking out my ass, but an artist is just in their studio and they're painting. Maybe once in a while, another artist comes over and looks at their painting, but we're all like looking to hook up with each other, like, "Hey, let's do mace, let's flow." So there's this, and we're talking to each other on Instagram and yeah. and yeah. and sharing things. So there's a, a connection happening while you're creating. Yes, there definitely is that social side of the aspect uh, within the steel mace community, which is honestly probably my favorite thing about it yeah uh because yeah like we have the we have the ability to be that artist just in the back room grinding out grinding out grinding out creating 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 which a lot of us do Uh, but then we also have that ability uh, and not even so much the ability but the need to share it because we I, i think yeah i think that's what it comes down to is we we find a passion and we need to share it yeah uh and while like let's like again let's use painting as the reference uh for them after they create it in order to share it, they just kind of put the piece out there. But for us to truly share it, uh, because it's such a new thing, we need that physical connection uh, and maybe not even just the physical connection, but we need to not just demonstrate our movement, but show and teach and connect with our movement to other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point on how our version of creation has really tied into the social aspect. Yeah. And, you know, watching all the stuff that you put up, 
um, you do create some interesting stuff. I mean, you're you're always like whenever you post something up, I'm like, ooh, what do we got now? You know, it's just it it keeps coming and coming and coming. So, as far as your training is concerned, how long have you actually been using a mace for? Uh, so the first time I picked up a mace was in March of 2017. So two and a half years. Wow, so. two and a half years. Because yeah, yeah. you look, I mean, you're you're masterful at it. So um, that's that's very interesting that you. I think you took to it rather quickly. Do, do you have any yeah. background before that, like in something that parlayed into that? I, I believe so. Uh, as a young, like when I was a kid, uh, up until about my early teens, uh, like really early teens, I did martial arts. Um, from there, I transitioned into team sports, football, and rugby, uh, mainly, with rugby being my main focus. Uh, and I, I don't know, I've just always been a relatively decent mover. I pick things up relatively quickly. Uh, I did have a kettlebell background before I started training with the steel mace, so the idea of selective tension or yin and yang movement uh, made a lot of sense to me. Mm. Um, but the the big thing is I just took to it. Like, I just fell for it. Like, the first time I, I swung the mace, it just felt like it's what I should be doing. So I, in the last two and a half years, there's maybe been an entirety of a week combined where I haven't had Mason hand doing something with it. Oh. Uh, sometimes it's, yeah, yeah. Like I, I constantly am doing something. Well, uh, so what happened that week? What, what did, did you have like food poisoning? Or, <laughs> you're on vacation, on vacation. <laughs> and they wouldn't let no, you I bring your mace. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I took my, my Paul handle, uh, club attachment. So I have these, like, they're just, they're called pulp handles. They look like little handles, and you attach them to a water bottle, and you're able to do club movements with oh, them. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and I took I took those down with me uh, to Mexico, which was great, because I tried to go work out at, the like, the gym on the resort, and they kicked me out. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't allowed back. They, they let me in for the one day, and they told me not to come back. Not to uh, come so, back? Yeah, yeah. Wow. What the heck yeah. happened? Were you, like, <laughs> they just, you freaked them out? Like, they thought you were just going to, like, go like Bruce Lee on them or something and start. Well, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty, uh, upper class, uh, kind of facility, but I would like roll in like rugby shorts, short shorts, like tank top tattoos all out, like yeah. big beard. Right. Uh, but their biggest issue was like, I don't train in athletic shoes. Like I just, I can't do it. They're like, they're too, I can do it. I shouldn't say I can't, I can do, I can do anything. Uh, I can do it, but, uh, I much prefer to be barefoot or in Sinook. Uh, if you're if you're familiar with those, they're just kind of like a cloth with like a, a recycled yoga mat for the uh, sole. Yes. Uh, so I roll in, I roll in into Nook, and the guy at the counter was like, "Like you can't come in." I was like, "Why not?" He's like, "You don't have shoes." I'm like, "I got shoes right here." And he's like, "No, like real shoes." I'm like, "Man, like come on, I didn't bring like real shoes. Like this is what I wear to work out at home. Like let me do my thing." He's like, "Okay, you can come. In, you you can work out today, but don't come back." Oh wow. So. So I went in and I found like, they had like four kettlebells. So I found like yeah. the heaviest kettlebell they had and started doing just like some traditional competition style movement. Uh, and what was funny is uh, people stopped and were like standing around watching. And like a bunch of the staff came out and were like watching, including the dude that told me like not to come back. Right. Because it was very much like machine based gym. So they'd never really seen uh, someone using kettlebells in, in a traditional set, at least uh, in a traditional fashion. Uh, so it was funny, like he watched me and I got through my practice and as I was leaving, he goes, Hey man, like you're good at that. That was really cool. I was like, cool. Can I come back tomorrow? He's always not without shoes, man. You can't come back. <laughs> so, so luckily I had my Paul handles. I was able to attach them, uh, to, a, to a, a nice, like one and a half liter water bottle. So got like a nice three pound club out of that. Yeah. I was able to at least get some sort of movement and practice in, but, uh, no mace that time, unfortunately. Yeah. That was the week. That was the week I didn't swing the mace. And then other than that, it's been always with the mace uh constantly practicing constantly training or teaching yeah exactly so uh like at the studio now we have 15 mace classes every week uh so I, i'm i don't teach all of them i do have two coaches that work with me right. uh but i say i i average about 10 mace classes taught a week uh and then between uh four and ten hours of personal practice every week as well with wow. the mace and that has been pretty consistently that case uh yeah since march of 2017 are they one hour classes or half hour classes 
the classes are hour long. Okay. And you do like a stretch in the beginning? Yeah. So we do 10 minutes of mobility. I'll, I'll run you through a class. Okay. So we start off with 10 minutes of mobility. <clears throat> then we pra- uh, go into um, some warm-up swings. So taking like a light mace, like five kilos, uh, 10, 11 pounds, swinging that for just a minute. And then we take a minute pause. Then we get into our five-minute pull. Uh, what that is, is five minutes, 10 and twos, as many as you can get with whatever weight. Some people will stick with that 10 pound mace. Uh, other people have gotten up to about a 45 pound mace, uh, and they'll swing it for those five minutes. Uh, and the reason we do that is, uh, we also host, uh, Canada's, if not North America's largest steel mace competition. Uh, and so it's become important. And, and you know what? Um, it was the first thing I fell in love with, with the mace was 10 and twos. So I want my students to have that practice as well. Uh, and they love it. So yeah, we start off with the five minutes of 10 and twos that combined with the mobility and the warm up set takes uh, 19 minutes on the nose. Uh, so I give them a minute pause out to that 20 minute mark. Then for the next uh, 30 to 35 minutes, we'll do work. So we'll either use the, the mace as um, a, like a tool to work out with. Uh, we call that class foundations and fitness, uh, or we'll do steel mace flow where we d- create a, a flow, implement it, work with it, and then practice it at the end. Uh, and really nail it home. And then we could do a cool down stretch at the end. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So you'll alternate between like more of a workshop uh, type class and a flow class. Yeah, exactly. So we have uh, several different classes. Uh, we have what we call foundations and fitness where, like I said, we, we really focus on drilling things home. So we'll do like time sets of switch curls or time sets of like front lunge upper cut or whatever. Like we, we use it. It's more of a, like a boot camp style class, but using the mace and the unique principles and leverages of the mace uh, as a fitness tool. Yeah. And then we have our steel mace flow class, uh, which is, yeah, it's a steel mace flow class. We, we work on different flows, uh, whether though they be the master class flows handed down by Leo or uh, flows of my own creation or of my uh, coach's creation, right. uh, because they're, they're fairly good at that as well. They're, they're really diving into that practice. It's just been beautiful. Then we have another class type we call competition and tradition which is just swing. So uh, again, different timing and different sets and different rep counts to really have people grow and succeed in that. Uh, that's all one of our more regimented style of classes. Uh, and then we have a, another class style uh, with a mace called test prep uh, because, because we have implemented a testing system in the steel mace, uh, with the steel mace, I should say, that includes swings and flow. So I've found that people like to progress, right? It's a lot easier to stick with something if you have some form of progression. And I wanted to give them some form of progression other than I can just swing this mace, you know, I can swing this heavier mace. And with steel mace flow, it can be a little challenging to have those measurable progressions. So we came up with a testing system. uh, And with that testing system, it does combine heavy swings and steel mace flow because that's kind of the... I, I like creating well-rounded mace practitioners. I, I think of myself as a well-rounded mace practitioner, and I, I want to deliver that to my students as well. So our testing system does uh, test both sides of the coin, if you will. Uh, so those are our four style of mace classes. Then we have a yoga class that is specifically designed for mace athletes. Uh, and then two coffee and clubs classes, they're called. They're Indian club practices that are, uh, again, designed to open up and uh, pattern in certain areas that the mace may lock down or pattern in uh, movements that might be a little easier with the club until you get the mace. So like the heart shape uh, with the club is the exact same movement as a mill with a mace. Uh, the mace is just done a little bit lower to protect the shoulder. So all of my students that take that coffee and clubs class, they know how to do that movement. When they come into a uh, steel mace full class where I want them to do mills, I can just hand them the mace and be like, okay, do a mill and they'll be able to do it. Yeah. Wow. And the yoga... Oh, yeah, those are, those are and the yoga class is, uh, it's a yoga class designed for steel mace practitioners. Does it include the mace while you're doing the workouts? Uh, it does not, uh, besides potentially using it for stability. Uh, so it's not like the steel mace yoga or the steel mace vinyasa that some, uh, a couple other groups have started up. <clears throat> what I did was I reached out to the best movement artist I could find uh, in the city. Luckily, it was someone that I had known for a few years. And I said, I was like, hey, man, like, I, I need something to supplement my athletes' training. I want them to be better movers just as a whole. Can you come up with something um, that would uh, 
be beneficial to a steel mace practitioner. And so he, he dove into it. And uh, the first couple sessions, it really blew people away because uh, there's such a misconception about yoga, right? We hear the word yoga and people start thinking like, oh, cool, like bendy stretching, it's like super chill. Like I'm going to lay on the floor and breathe for a while. And then I'm going to like go into a child's pose and hang out there. Yeah. And while we do have like the guided meditation and the guided breathing in our yoga practice, uh, it's, it's intense. Uh, it yeah. can light some people up and uh, it's, it's been a beautiful thing to see people's conception of yoga change. Uh, and then what I really find interesting is uh, we, we started it uh, right after you had done your podcast or posted your podcast with Jake Shannon. Okay. So then, I was yeah, just so thinking was about him throw, while you were talking yeah. about this. Yes. So then I was able to throw out my students uh, when they were like, man, I didn't realize that like yoga could be like that. I was like, well, did you realize that like mace can be a yoga practice too? I am and then I like broke down like got into like reiterating his whole rant on the whole uh <clears throat> I am yoga and yeah, yeah it's, it's cool uh we've, we've been enjoying it my hips have never felt better I'll say that especially after two and a half years of grinding outside lunges dragging lunges feels real nice to yeah. like find different ways to open those areas up yeah absolutely I you know that's a good point if we could just pause on that is is the feeling how your hips it's unbelievable. Like, um, you could go to a, a regular gym, and you know, I do. I go to a regular gym. In fact, I go to this one right here. Um, but you know, you could spend a little bit of time doing like athletic type drills. You know, side to side, whatever. Maybe you know, I'll use bands, and I'll put bands around my knees, and do sidewalks, clamshells, and and hip bridges. But I'll do that preceding doing my deadlifts. So I might spend fifteen minutes or whatever. When you add in steel mace flow. And you're practicing it like most people, they're almost doing it daily. It's just that addictive and that low impact. You're doing so many side lunges. Like, you're, it's more than you've ever done, right? Especially, especially the, us East Coast guys, right? <laughs> the- oh, yeah, you East Coast guys love that set, too. You love that side lunge. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. We, uh, we hosted a free class a few like months ago now uh, to try and like drum up some interest. And one of the part of the feedback, one of the pieces of feedback we got was, uh, man, you guys really just found a way to disguise thousands of lunges in a session, hey? <laughs> That's it. And it, it's the cool thing because you know what? Like, uh, I have I have some messed up joints in my leg, so my knee, uh, so the whole Franken leg name comes from the fact that my ACL in my left leg is a cadaver ACL. Okay. <laughs> so it's from a dead guy, and then my right fibula. It's held together with nine inches of titanium and eight screws. Wow. Uh, so that's where the Franken legs thing comes from. But because of those issues, uh, I fucking hated doing legs. To be entirely blunt. Like, I hated doing legs. Like, yeah. I would grind out, like, give me, a, give me a barbell and, like, I'll bench press all day. I'll deadlift, but, like, squats, I don't know, maybe not. Lunges, absolutely not. Right. But then I get a mace in my hand and it's like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do 10. <clears throat> forward lunges, switch curls on this side, then we'll do 10 on this side, then we'll do 10 forward and back, then 10 forward and back, then we'll do 10 forward and back with the squat, then 10 forward and back with the squat, and, like, that's how I grind up the quick march flow. So I went from, like, no, nah, I don't do lunges to, yeah, I don't know, I do, like, two, 300 lunges a day. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a cool way to disguise the things you hate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. If you don't, if you don't like, work your legs, train me, because you're going to work your legs, and you're not even going to realize it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of blew it uh, in a when I started one of my classes. Um, it was like two weeks ago. Um, I was feeling all chippy and everything, and I walked in. Hey, hello, everybody! You know, said hi. I go, "Are you ready to hit leg day today?" And they all looked at me, and I was like, "You know, mace flow leg day." And th- now they know. Now they know it's legs. <laughs> I screwed yeah, it up. It. Don't let anybody know that they're doing leg day on mace flow day. Yeah, you kind of got to hide it a little bit. You got to hide it a little bit. But yeah. you know what? That's one of the, the beautiful things about Steelmate Flow is it can be used uh, It can be used to get that medicine that we might not want, but we know we need. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the, the cod liver oil or whatever, right? The kid doesn't want to drink it, yeah, but exactly. got to force it down there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like straight up, we need to train legs. Like as human beings, like we need to train legs, uh, especially like if Number you're going to lose weight, too. Like you got to train legs. Yeah, uh, and if you have no interest in training legs, like find a way to make it interesting. Uh, for me, that happened to be still made slow. 
Uh, for other people, it might be something else. Whatever's going to work for you, that's the best exercise. Yeah, that's such right? a good point. The best exercise is the one you'll do. Right. Yeah, and, and you hear so many people saying, oh, I hate leg day. I hate leg day. And they trudge through it. With that attitude, you're never going to make – you're never gonna get gains, bro. <laughs> you're gonna be yeah, stuck. Exactly. You're gonna. Yeah. That's why there's so many guys walking around in the gym. Their their upper bodies are jacked, and then they got these little legs. It's like they hate leg day. Well, try grabbing this mace then and using this. Yeah, exactly. And find a way to make it fun. And in fact, the movement uh, is so low impact, and you really like they're so durable. Your legs, you can do so much with them. Do a little bit of maze flow, and then you'll see when you do your traditional weightlifting, squats, leg presses, leg curls, leg extension, whatever you're doing, machines, it's, it's all going to go better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, all we're trying to do uh, with skill maze flow, really, is just let people connect with their movement a little bit more. Uh, right. Again, we, we disguise some of the stuff they might not like with stuff that they do like, and that's just going to make them a better mover. Right. Because they're, they're getting that movement practice that they may not be getting elsewhere. Yeah, I remember a few times doing. I'm sure you could attest to this. You're you're working on some upper body stuff, like you know maybe working on some flips or something, and you're so focused on what's happening up here with the mace that your legs are on fire and you don't even realize it. And then after you take a break because your shoulders are tired, you go, "Man, my legs are hit even worse than my shoulders because you're so focused up here." And and like you just said, you end up disguising the workout a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've said it before uh, on di in different areas, but <clears throat> I don't like I don't work out. I don't have time to work out. Yeah. Uh, the word workout to me, the first thing it says is work, right? And I I don't want to consider my movement to be work. I practice, I play, I have fun. Uh, I have tons of time to play. Yeah. Like I have all day to I have all day to play. So if I can get the same physical benefit in my play as I would in quote unquote working out. No. Uh, but I approach it with the mindset of I'm going to have some fun today. Uh, I'm more likely to do it. Yeah. You know, and for me, for me personally, I, I didn't have fun with barbells. Yeah. I know a lot of people do. And to those people, I say, fuck yeah, man, like crush your thing, find your play, like have fun with it. But that's the thing is, uh, like it's not work. Yeah. You know, like I understand why we call it working out, but like hate that word. Yeah. Cause it's it not work. You're right. It doesn't fit in with that. No, exactly. Like work is something that's like demanding. Work yeah. is something that, you know what, if you, if you didn't want, if you didn't have to do it, I should say, you probably wouldn't, right? That's work. Right. But play, play is the root of fun, right? Like right. To me, that's what we should be attempting to do uh, as much as possible in our lives, uh, not even just in the gym, but in our daily lives, like find way to, Find ways to play throughout the day. Oh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, it, you know, a good break in the middle of the day, a recess, right? A adult recess. Yeah. Every, everybody stop what you're doing and go play. Go go to the playroom, totally. the, the block room, whatever you got to do. Then come back and let's go back to work and watch exactly. what happens. Watch the productivity go up. You know, Nike totally. will be totally. selling more sneakers. On it will be selling more maces. Everybody will be happier. I think, it, you know, I agree 100%, uh, especially like just using that recess analogy. Uh, something I realized is when kids get to high school, that's when all their weight skyrockets. Yeah. Because they're not playing anymore. Right. Right. They don't have recess. So from, I don't know what it's like in the States, but in Canada, from kindergarten through grade eight, you have two recesses and a lunch period every single day. So you have... Uh, roughly an hour every single day where they just send you outside and they're like, Hey, go run around, go have some fun. And I, I personally was it like, I was in much better shape in eighth grade compared to ninth grade because, and I think honestly, I think it's because of the lack of recess in high school. You yeah. get to high school, you no longer get that reset. You get to your adult life and there's even less time, uh, free time available to, to play. Uh, and I think that if we, if we were to implement, some like just mandatory 15 minute breaks just to move people would we, we yeah we see people hitting their weight loss goals way faster or not needing them at all because right. instead of like sitting on their ass through high school and college and work they've been sitting on their ass for most of the time but still getting out there and running around and play, man playing dodgeball yeah. like i would kill like 
I would go work at an accounting firm if half the time we got to play dodgeball. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hell yeah. I, 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 yeah, like for sure. For sure. Yeah, you're having like a little issue with one of the guys you work with. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to see you out there when we're playing dodgeball. I'm going to get you. Yeah, we're going to do some dodgeball. Your ass, your ass is mine. I'm going to peg you in the face. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. fun, man. That's what we need more of is that like that eight-year-old mentality. Yeah. That eight-year-old mentality where all they want to do is run around and have a good time. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously we need to work. Bill's got to be paid. Lights got to be kept on. But if we could just implement more play into our lives, man, would the world be a beautiful place. Yeah, definitely. So now you mentioned uh, weight loss, and your weight yeah. loss journey was remarkable. Because I remember you made that post where uh, you documented your weight over the course of about a year. Yeah, so um, for, for my weight loss, um, at my absolute heaviest, I, I was 267 pounds, so almost 270. And how tall uh, are you? And then I'm 5'11". Okay. Yeah, that's uh, – wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was up there. Uh, I, was, I was a little fluffy. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I got down to uh, 172. Uh, but the biggest change was in last year, uh, the, like 2018. After my daughter was born, I decided I wasn't going to play rugby again. Uh, so at this point, I had gotten my weight down to about 240-ish, 245, uh, and was – comfortable there and not trying to lose weight because I played uh, a high level of rugby where having that little extra weight behind you and in, in the scrums was necessary uh, and having that little extra cushion in the tackle was nice as well uh, and even at 245 I was undersized for my position uh, in Canada <clears throat> so uh, I, d I retired uh, technically I, I still ended up playing a few games but I'm technically retired so I decided I didn't need the extra math anymore. My daughter was just born, so that was a, a good a little extra motivation. So between February uh, of 2018 and October of 2018, I lost 75 pounds. Wow. That's incredible. And it was just pretty much doing um, steel mace and kettlebells, and you just watched what you ate? Is that pretty much how it – Yeah, so I, I figured out my nutrition, uh, which was a, a big part of it. Uh, I started training um, a lot more mace flow. So up until that point, I'd been doing some mace flow, but a lot of the traditional swing. Uh, and then I realized I needed to train my legs yeah. to in order to burn that, those extra calories. And as I mentioned, I fucking hate training legs. So I started practicing even more mace flow. Uh, beyond that, I would say 80% of my, my physical practice at that time was steel mace. About 10% of it was Indian club. 5% kettlebell and the the last five percent being body weight and dumbbell uh, i have not touched a barbell uh i've done sorry i've done two barbell workouts in the last two and a half years i just i lost interest in it and it wasn't fun for me anymore so now i invest my time into the tools that uh, i love yeah that's amazing and uh, what what kind of diet do you have uh so i count macro okay that's what you yeah, did while I, uh, you were shedding the weight and you continue doing that afterwards? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, that's what I did the entire time I, I was dropping the weight. Uh, and then I've continued it uh, as I find it to be an incredibly maintainable um, diet, if you will, or uh, eating practice. <clears throat> uh, growing up, not so much growing up, but like right after high school when I was uh, really making a shot at some higher level rugby team. I dove into the paleo stuff. I dove into the whole 30 stuff and I got some results from it. Uh, and that was how I kind of got out of that 267 range as well and back into like a healthy playing range was on those programs. Uh, but I would always wash out of them just because they're, they're a little tough to do day to day to day to day to day to day to day, especially when you're like in your early 20s and beers a thing. <laughs> so I uh, so I went to macro counting, macro tracking just because if I could make things work, uh, I didn't have that sense of failure, right? Like if you're on, let's say paleo and you drink a beer, boom, that's it. You you're, not, you're not paleo anymore, right? right? You, you failed essentially. Uh, but on macro, uh, I can have a beer or an ice cream cone or whatever. And as long as I can still make everything, all my numbers still hit, uh, I can make it happen. Right. Or if I go off the rails for a day, oh, well, like I'm still doing this thing. I haven't failed because I haven't really broken a rule. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
so again, it kind of comes down to the, the steel mace flow thing. Uh, the steel mace flow, we, we learned the rules so we can better bend and break them. Uh, and I, I kind of took that approach with my eating as well. I, I need to know how to eat so that I can figure out the workaround to make it fit my life. Yeah. And do you use an app to keep uh, count of your macros? Oh, man, I'm so old school. I, uh, I like, I hate technology straight up. Like I use Instagram and I use Facebook and like that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, uh, so I have a notebook. Uh, I'm on my third notebook now actually for this, uh, where I just hand write out everything. Uh, if the food I'm eating doesn't have a nutritional label, I hop on Google and I use that. But like I, I tried the, my fitness pal thing and I just was confused. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't like that on the free version. A lot of it's crowdsourced and because it's crowdsourced, people put in just the information that's applicable to them. So like if they're counting calories, but they're not counting like protein, say they just have the calorie and they'll say zero for protein, even though it's like chicken breast. So there's like a ton of protein in it. Yeah. So I, because of that, I, uh, that and my, my aversion to technology, <clears throat> I hand write out everything. Well, that's why I asked because, um, everybody uses an app nowadays and, and some people claim it has made a difference. It gives them some, something to keep accountability with. I have used apps before, but I, um, you know, I was using before apps before the, before there was even um, an internet, the old www. I was using a, a, a notebook from an old bodybuilder, and it was all the like you just turned the page and there's a chicken and how many yeah. protein, and I would write it in a notebook, and that always that always seemed the best for me. Uh, the apps are just like, you get lost. You spend 15 minutes trying to put your meal in and it's just totally. like such a time killer. So that's why I yeah, asked. No, I'd, much rather, I'd much rather handwrite things out. I'm like, I'm pretty old school. I'm pretty analog. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the mates did call to me uh, is it is just this ancient tool. It's very, in, in reality, it is a very basic tool. Like it's the first tool. It's a stick with something attached at the end to make it a little heavier. Yeah. Right. Like that's, it's the original, uh, it's as old school as you can possibly get. And, uh, I think that's one of the reasons it calls me. Yeah. My story in my head that I made up for the, for the world is that there was like two cavemen and this is where yeah. Mace was born. And this is where competition was born. Okay. The caveman on the right picked up the stick and turned to the other caveman, and he was like, I'm going to smack you in the head and take your food or take your, your woman. And then the other one went, oh, yeah, and he attached a rock to the end and smacked him yeah. over the head. And that's and then it escalated into an arms race, and now we have nuclear weapons. But, hey, well, <laughs> but, you <laughs> Long know. Long story short, <laughs> Yeah, right. <clears throat> but, um, totally. yeah, you're right. It goes way back when, and um, it's a symbol of – of strength and power and it's a symbol of um creativity yeah right it's it's the first adaption yes um so yeah like like you were saying like it would have it would have required some form of adaption right Right. so i i'm i'm in agreement with you i think the very first the very first thing humans utilized would have been our hands from there we would have grabbed something and if we're trying to bash into something, it's going to be a rock, right? It's going to be something heavy. Yeah. Then someone has the realization that, man, if I give a little extra length onto this, like it's going to smack a whole lot harder, right? So th- there was that creation. So I think that, like, yeah, steel may flow. It like ties right into that, right? Because steel may flow is all about that creation. Yeah. Which is and creation and adaptation, and which is what the the mace originally was, is uh, a creation and adaptation of something that. Uh, is there already, but we can make more of. You know? um, something I've I noticed. Uh, so, little tangent here. <clears throat> when I came down in February, I was teaching. Uh, I was assisting a steel mace certification at Solis in New York uh, with Leo and Serena. And the day before they got there, I went to the museum. I went to the Natural History Museum. As I mentioned I'm I'm super into the history. Yeah. Uh, and I was in the people's exhibit and I was going through each of the different peoples and they have people's exhibits from everywhere. Like North America, uh, South Pacific, Europe, Asia, all over. They have exhibits from all over the world. And I noticed two similarities in every single exhibit. The first one being music. 
every single culture has a unique sense of humor. <clears throat> the second thing I noticed in every single one is every single culture has a leverage tool or a leverage weapon. Mm -hmm. Every single culture has some form of stick with a heavy thing attached at the end. Uh, they have mace. Yeah. So to me, the, the two things that truly define humanity at its base are music and mace. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you see that now. How how awesome are the the steel mace videos that everybody's posting up oh. with their with their you know their music? Like this is what I want to share. I want to share my mace flow and I want to share my music. And I have found so many cool bands from watching all you guys. <laughs> yes. I'm totally. always asking, totally. hey, what's that song? I, I, this is an announcement to everybody doing this. Friggin' put the name of the song and the band because I, I got to keep asking all the time. And I want it. There, somebody was playing some Persian music once and they never answered me. So I'm hunting around for Persian music. It's not quite the song I wanted, but whatever. You know, it, it is awesome how the mace and the music go together so well. And it's they like musical and people. The beautiful, yeah, the beautiful thing we're seeing in the community, the Mace community, specifically the Steel Mace Flow community with music and Mace, uh, is the diversity. Yeah. You know? So, like, I flow to some pretty slow music more often than not. A lot of my music is uh, kind of trancey or, like, that's what I post, at least. Generally, when I'm listening, what I'm listening to is Tupac. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. Uh, but... But I throw in like, I'll throw in, but yeah, even whatever I put into it uh, is generally slower music, uh, trancey kind of music, smooth, if you will. Uh, but then you get guys like Jamie Pinto yeah. uh, or Noose over in the UK and they're listening to like rash. Like they'll yeah. listen to some heavy shit. Yeah. Uh, or you get, you get people listening to DJs or spoken word or whatever. Uh, and we're all doing the same practice, but expressing it in a different way and it's just it's yeah the community is so beautifully diverse it's amazing yeah and you know it's a way to learn you know when you see how what you see somebody's uh music taste is uh, look we're all open we're all open-minded people steel mace people that's how we got into this to begin with um so when you see oh this person's listening to this and then you kind of like learn something about them through their music it's a it's a big tell, you know. We could spend hours talking to each other, and um, then when you find out that somebody listens to the same band as you or something, it just changes everything. Like, oh, you like them, and then you know, like, oh, that they, they like that weird band too. Like, well, then they must think like I think, you know. It's a real way to yeah. break the barriers down, as as yeah, well as connector. Steel Mace is. Of course, yeah, it's a, it's a great connector. Uh, yeah, like I said, like everyone. Everyone has a sense of music, right? The, every culture has its own music, uh, and that's developed into every person having their own sense of music and their own love of music. Uh, the worst first date question of all time is, oh, do you like music? Because the answer is obviously yes. Yeah. Uh, everyone likes music. Like, literally everyone likes music. Yeah. Uh, I've never met anyone who's like, I, uh, do you like music? Oh, absolutely not. No, I sit in silence. Right. Like, no, absolutely. Like, that's not a thing. Uh, we're designed... As human beings, we're designed to search out beauty in all senses. Yeah. Right. We yeah. eat food that tastes good. We choose a mate that looks good. Yeah. We uh, we need something that sounds good. Right. Every everything as humans, everything we're searching for in sense is uh, that positive. Right. You don't want to wear a scratchy shirt. You want a soft shirt <laughs> because that's a positive feeling. Right. Yeah. And it's the same with our ears. Like our listening, we want to listen to something that's beautiful. Right. That's what it's all about. Like, that's the human experience. Like, at its base is searching for beauty. Yeah. Uh, which is another beautiful thing with the mix. Yep. We create beautiful movement with it. We, yeah. we take a weapon of war and we create beautiful movement. That's right. Yeah. No more, no more hitting people with it. Just. Yeah, exactly. Unless they're talking when they should be listening. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way to keep your, your classes motivated, right? Stop looking yeah. out the window. Yeah. Bonk. Yeah, no, never once, uh, or or maybe just twice. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's yeah, it's a thing. It's it's just out there, you know. Music is a thing, and uh, of course, it's going to tie into a practice like this. You know? Yeah, right. Um, can I just jump back to your rugby playing? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated with uh, rugby. I've never played it before. 
Um, whenever I catch it on TV, I watch it, and I'm pretty sure that the scrum is one of the most dangerous places on earth at that given moment. That I've never seen no, it anything. Feels like it. It's it's unbelievable, and I I saw uh, close up photos like they would take a photo of the scrum, and there'd be guys in there like biting somebody's ear or, or like yeah i've taken i've taken a few shots to the face while in one of those yeah. yeah man like you are voluntarily like walking into that like we're gonna go into that like that's unbelievable yeah so i always uh like gotta get into the mindset of somebody and it's interesting i i'm kind of seeing you as like like a paradox right now like this this rugby player how long did you play rugby for uh 13 years 13 years Wow. Yeah, if you if you include this year and this last year where I only played a couple of games, it's been 13 years. All right. But as a full-time active player, 11. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Like like again, I'm I'm looking on it from the outside, so I'm all like awe-inspired. But you're you're essentially like playing this game where you run a lot, hard cutting left and right. It's so demanding. Then the the brutality of the physical contact involved and then the need for you know, some precision and stuff, like being able to throw it and everything. It's it's an unbelievable sport. And it and it's and it's a very old sport that looks like two armies were about to have a real war and the the leaders said, instead of doing it that way, let's just play a game. And that's what they came up with, like virtual warfare. So I just wonder about that. Um what was it that was you were so into about rugby what did you find to, for doing it that long? You must have really found a lot of pleasure from it. Yeah, I uh, I loved it. I still love it. Um, yeah, I still love it. That's why I still – like, I make sure that even now that I'm technically retired, I still make sure I get in at least one game a year uh, just because there's nothing else like it. Like you said, there's so many different facets of the sport that in order to be uh, in order to be a good rugby player, you need to be able to do a lot of different things. You need to be able to run for an extended period of time. The average rugby game uh, at a senior men's level is 80 minutes long with two 40-minute halves. Uh, very few timeouts, very few pauses. You pause when there's a penalty. Uh, other than that, you're, you're going. Um, we don't set plays, right? Like, it's constant free-flowing motion, uh, again, outside of the penalties. But then beyond that, there needs to be that physicality. So if you're just a marathon runner and you have no no mass to you uh, or no aggression or no no desire to hit, you're not going to be a good player because you need to still be able to lay some lay some hits here and there. You got to be able to tackle. You got to be able to rock. Uh, eight of the players need to be able to scrum. Uh, which the I to to speak to that, uh, I was the dude that was at the front and center of that. So that was my position is by the uh, ball, right in the middle. Yeah, literally right in the middle. So I played at the position called hook. Yeah, you're... Uh, so it was my job. Yeah, it was the hook. So my job is to is to secure the ball while eight others across the bear trying to just wreck my day. Wow. Uh, because of that, yeah, I've taken a lot of knees to face it or like shots or whatever. But that's all part of the fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then beyond that, like you you can't just have like you can't just be a physical player. You can't just be a runner. You also need to have that skill aspect. Every single player at one point or another in a game, all fifteen players on the field will need to pass the ball. So as opposed to football, where you can have like your big, strong dude up front playing O line, and he never has to touch the ball unless like it's a freak circumstance. Every single player on the rugby pitch will touch the ball. Yeah. Uh, they all need to be able to ball carry. They all need to be able to pass. They all need to be able to tackle. Uh, everyone needs to be able to to play everywhere essentially. Uh, and that was one of the things that drew to me. Uh, another thing that drew me to the the hook position uh, specifically. Is it the position that does the lineout throws? So it has a unique skill. So while everyone, all 14 other players, need to be able to do all these other things, you're the player that needs to be able to do this one thing. Uh, so that drew me to the position. Uh, and I was always very interested in the skill work of it. So, for example, just like with the passing on the field, most players in the hook position, they go for short little passes. They haven't really worked on the long ball. They haven't really worked on their accuracy uh, beyond like four or five meter passes. Uh, but I would, I would. So I'd sit there and I'd just hop the ball against the wall uh, and I, I draw a target and I'd back up and I would keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Uh, so 
and then yeah with the with the lionel throws too i did something very similar i was always very interested in the skill side of things which uh took me to a fairly high level i played semi-pro for a season before all the injuries started to kick in um and i think that that love of the skill side of the physical sport uh is one of the reasons i've translated so well into steel mate yeah that's uh, it, what I was it's a lot of that same kind of deal i do that skill work constantly yeah, like yeah. I grind it out grind it out grind it out grind it out uh and i also think that's where my rounded practice of steel mate comes from is from having played rugby where you can't just do one thing like you can't specialize in one thing so with the mate i didn't want to just do one thing either i wanted to be able to do uh, the traditionalist stuff. I want to be able to do like the, the workout style stuff that I want to be able to do the flow stuff with it. And I, again, I think that stems from uh, my original passion of rugby. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when you said you were uh, hooking the ball, thrown against the wall um, over and over again, that just, as soon as you said that, I said, ah, no wonder why your practice is so with the steel mace, why your practice is so regimented like that, because you have that, like in your DNA to just work in me. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. And that's a good message to all the new steel mace coaches that are starting to spring up out there is that you got to put the time in, right? Put the time in, grind the basics. Um, This is something I see a lot of on social media right now. Um, People get the mace in their hand and there's nothing wrong with, they get the mace in the hand and they start immediately trying all the cool fancy shit. Yeah. And that's cool. Like that, obviously that stuff is fun. Like that's why we do it. Um, but uh, if you want to really own those movements, you need to put in the time grinding out the, uh, their base movement. For example, <clears throat> I don't think I would be able to do the, the flips and the coin tosses and the over the shoulder stuff that I can do if I hadn't built the prerequisite strength and control over the mace by doing those thousands of switch, switch squats, you know, or by swinging the mace for hours at a time. Right. Uh, and th- another beautiful thing about putting in that time into the grind is you connect, not just with the movement, but with the mace as well. Like when I'm nervous or I'm apprehensive or I'm scared now, if I grab a mace, I calm down. Yeah, cause you because you start. I'm, I'm connecting with it. Yeah, you have that familiar movement pattern that you practice so many times, your brain just clicks right into that like it's nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a lot of people starting to interact with the mace who have some really awesome movement background. So they're able to pick it up and immediately dive into like the really fancy stuff. And they are able to do that. Yeah. Uh, but man, would I love to see what they could do if they put in like, months of just grinding the basics and then went back to the fancy stuff it'd be amazing yeah be amazing yeah so are you saying do like um two months of 80 percent basics and then a little experimental stuff uh, yeah of course yeah, like there should always bulk. be play yeah like there should always be play but uh yeah put in some time on the basics like yeah. uh have you gone you've gone through the smf level one yes, yes. okay so the master class flow yes master class flow is a beautiful thing uh, and the beauty of the masterclass flow is that it's the ultimate flow for adaptation. So everything I do, when I learn a new move, I then and I take it and I introduce it to masterclass flow. So uh, masterclass flow, tons of switches, right? Switch girls, constant, right. constant, 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 switch girls. Fun fact, you don't have to do a single switch girl in that flow. You can take it out. So the yeah. very first thing I did after I got my certification is I, I uh, when I got back to Canada and I got back into my facility, I did the master class flow. I retaught myself with no switch curls, 360s instead. So I hit a front lunge, and instead of doing the switch curls, switch sides, I would 360, yeah. hit the position. Then I 360 switch sides. And I did that throughout the whole thing. Any switch curl, took it out, boom. <clears throat> From there, um, again, any new move I learned. So when I learned that if I continued my curl around, I could fold it into like that tuck grip position. Right. Uh, I, I take that and boom, masterclass. I taught myself every single position uh. doing that instead of uh, switch curls. When I decided to start training in dual mace, mace in each hand, same thing. I identified landmarks. So I figured out, uh, the landmarks and the variations, just like you would in the level one certification. 
And then I went to the, the uh, masterclass flow and I figured out every position and every shape with the dual mate. Once I figured out that I could do uh, a bow and arrow behind my head or an uppercut behind my head, like once I had the prerequisite mobility for that, I went to the masterclass flow and I took out every single landmark except uh, and replaced them with one of those two landmarks and figured that out. Uh, low crossbody as well, I would do behind me. And that's still something, that's something I wish more people would do is revisit the masterclass, but change it. Because it, again, that's the, that's the beauty of it is it, uh, it's you, a framework. Yeah. Use it, use the framework, use it, create something new from it, you know? Yeah. And then if you put in the time to be able to do the masterclass flow with these moves, now, when you get into your free flow state, uh, you won't have to think. It'll just occur. Uh, your body will then pattern, and it'll recognize where you're going, and it'll just happen. It'll just happen, right? Yeah, and that's exactly. That's and, and most people can't just grind out rep, 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 right? But right. if you instead you're like, hey, we're gonna do the masterclass flow, but instead of switch curls, we're gonna do this thing. They're gonna do that, right? Because again, we're disguising something they might not like, grinding out reps, with something they do like, flowing. Yeah. I love that. Uh, that is that is a great takeaway message. If uh, anybody's listening to this, you know, you're a coach and you're starting to bring your practice up. What you just illustrated there was basically you're going back over everything over and over again every time you want to introduce just one move, one new move. So you're not just doing the move. Yeah, that That would be just good enough. But no, you decided, I don't want it to be just good enough. And you're going to go back over those step one through step four, and you're going to be doing this new move on top of that. So how many times have you lunged? How many times have you back lunged? How many times have you crossed back stepped? It's unbelievable. It's, it, you know, you probably don't need shoes, like you said, because you would wear through them too fast. There's a good yeah, thing you yeah, do totally. everything barefoot. <laughs> you're saving totally. a lot of money like that. Well, Zach, this yeah, – and- Go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, it's um, when I, like in my personal practice, just to kind of illustrate, again, I've only been doing this for two and a half years. The amount of practice that has gone in has been uh, significantly beyond that for the average person. Uh, when I practice the master class flow, when I translate them, as I like to say, into these new movements, I'll do each piece first, and I'll make sure I can do it 10 times both sides. So switch march. I'll do 10 switch march flows, both sides. Okay, cool. Now I'll go and I'll do 10 of the warrior walk, both sides. Then I'll combine the two, 10 of switch march into warrior walk. And then I'll keep building that. So uh, by the time it's done, I'll have done like hundreds and hundreds of each individual flow. And then I'll do 10 of the entire masterclass flow uh, for both sides. Uh, And if I can't do that, I can't do it. Yeah. Like that's the that's the mindset I approach. If I can't do it ten times on both sides, clean, I can't do it. Yeah. So then I keep training until I can do it. So uh like I don't I don't do some, something once. Yeah. You know? I don't I don't think that's an accurate representation of the mace practice and I don't think it's an accurate representation of life. So even when I'm training for uh like an athletic event, let's say, uh rugby again. Um I would much rather, I would, I personally believe that a practice that grinds out a whole bunch of reps is going to be more beneficial to a rugby practice, uh, a rugby pl- uh, game, I should say, a rugby player. Because if I'm in a rugby game, I don't want to make one tackle. I want to make 20 tackles. Uh, and if I'm in my training and I'm just training for one rep, uh, I haven't really adapted or prepared my body to be able to do that. Right. Uh, so, and then to bring it into free flow, same kind of deal. Like if I'm free flowing, I don't want to be able to like hit something once and be like, okay, cool. I'm glad I got that. Cause I'm not going to be able to do that again. I want to be able to hit it and replicate it and replicate it, and replicate it anytime I feel like it. Uh, and so for me, that, that rule of 10 is what I take out everything. That's Even when I'm swinging the new heavy weight, uh, mm-hmm. like if I, if I grab a, uh, the next mace weight up, I can't do that shit until I can do it 10 times. When people ask me how heavy can you swing, it's not how the heaviest mace I've swung one time. It's the heaviest mace I've been able to do for ten reps in a row, clean and unbroken. That's what I can do. Yeah, man, that's amazing. You know what? You are a machine, man. 
You are a serious yeah, yeah. machine. And you are a modern-day warrior, too. I mean, definitely uh, a you know retired rugby player, and now you're swinging mace. Um, and I think the Warrior Flow Fitness for your establishment is the perfect name. Uh, you definitely you definitely earned that name. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, how can people reach you? How do you want them to contact you uh, for training? Yeah, so uh, if, you're, if you're local, if you're in Regina, even if you're just passing through, our Facebook page is Warrior Flow. Uh, link up with us. Give us a like. Shoot us a message if you're ever in town, and we'll, uh, we'll set up a training time. Uh, if you're looking to connect with me personally or bring me down for workshops or certifications, which I can teach as of October 1st, uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Frankenlag. Uh, it's like Frankenstein, but legs instead of Stein at the end. And uh, before we go, though, we got to talk about you're flying out to Europe. Yes, yes. So, to Valhalla uh, training. Yeah, November 16th, I will be uh, at Valhalla Training Academy in Liverpool, England, doing a Steel Mason Indian Clubs workshop. So that's a joint workshop. Uh, and then the next weekend, I will be over in Cologne, Germany with Leo. Uh, yeah. To assist on that oh, that works out perfect for you. God damn, man. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hop over to Amsterdam, have a good time, hop over to Germany, have a great time. Yeah, man. Ah, oh, this is great. I I wish I could be in your shoes, but you don't wear shoes, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I wish I could do that. Um, I actually entertained the thought of flying out to Valhalla and seeing you there and everything. Uh, the, the big hurdle is yeah. getting it past my wife, and that didn't really work out too well. Um, fair, but, fair. you know, I'll try to get the next one or something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, We'll do more. You know, I, I would love to come down to Critical Mass you got some club stuff yeah when can you know let's talk man and uh i'll get you back on the podcast again why don't you why don't you go do your thing in europe and then when you get back i don't know if that's too much traveling for you because then you're going to be traveling down here but you could come down here we could do a podcast about your travels in europe that'd be pretty cool i'll have to look into that you know i mean it doesn't have to be as soon as you get back but we'll try to get here you know, before all the yeah, good man. memories fade. That'd be super cool. Let's do that, man. Let's do that. And then, yeah, we'll go to Critical Mass, and, and Ken will be uh, loving to see you again and everything. He had a great time. He spoke very highly of you. And Yeah, and that was such an awesome experience. It was such an awesome experience to uh, to link up with Ken in person. And, yeah, just to, to get to play a little bit was yeah. really awesome. And it's such a beautiful facility as well. And uh, it, was, it was a huge pleasure to be welcomed into that environment. Yeah, and of course you're always welcome. So, you got that. So thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your busy day, and um, I really was looking forward to this conversation. I mean, I've had you on my hit list since I started this podcast, and I was like, I gotta talk to Zach. I gotta talk to Zach. So finally, it has happened, and it was a very pleasurable conversation. And uh, I wish you all the luck with everything you're doing. I think you're going to be a great leader uh, for us into the distant future and look forward to seeing more great stuff from you. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your time and all that you're doing for the Mace community. And it was fantastic to be able to have a chat with you. Thanks, man.